Listen to this call to worship about the world that God is calling to come and know him. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. As we look out these doors, as we think about what's happened in Las Vegas this week, as we think about what happens in our world, may we stand on this promise that the Lamb is on the throne and God is shepherding us to that grace and glory that heals every brokenness. And in that spirit, let us stand. Let us stand and give our hearts and our voices and our lives to praise the living God. This morning, we, as we continue in God's Word, we're in a series, for those of you who may have just started this week with us, called My Heart, Christ's Home. And it's, it's a little booklet that you can get, and each of our parts of life are divided into different rooms. Last week was the study, where God wants to come in Jesus Christ and order the things that we see and, and think about and experience. He wants to become the filter, if you will. We're living in an, in an unfiltered world. Anybody pick up on that? Jesus is the filter. And that's what the study is about. Today we get to a room that I think maybe we're, we're kind of short on time. We're just going to skip today. It's the dining room. <laughs> Who wants Jesus to come in and set the menu for their lives, huh? No. He wants to raid your refrigerator, your pantry, but also the dining room of what we partake of in so many different ways. So I don't think we can skip it. I think we need to listen to it. So let's, let's go to God's word. First to an epistle, a letter from John, chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Listen to what Jesus tells us through John. Do not love the things in the world. Right there. It's as simple as that. Do not love the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desire are passing away. But those who do the will of God will love God, and God will live in forever. Here's how this can happen. Jesus says in John chapter 10, same writer, these words. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God speak to our hearts about what to love and how he wants to love us. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come to this, your word, we pray that the good news would come now and find us, not only in word, but in power, 
in your Holy Spirit and with the full assurance that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and you are our redeemer. All these things we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So we're in the dining room of my heart, Christ's home. And let me tell you a little bit about the dining room. My dad had four brothers, and those uncles and my grandfather, so there would be five of them, six of them, would, were known throughout Los Angeles. They were known throughout Los Angeles because they were voracious eaters. These were farm guys. They'd come through the Depression. There wasn't always enough to eat. And when the buffets in Los Angeles became opened up and there was all you could eat, seriously, my grandfather and my dad and my uncles were asked to leave many various buffets <laughs> around Los Angeles. They said, I know it says all you can eat. We didn't really mean it. Would you please not come back? And they were, in a couple of times, actually given their money back and told to just not come back again. And they all looked like me. I mean, they all looked like they were just rails. Well, the, the reality is, it was, it was because they could never get enough. And there was a time in their lives where they never could get enough. And so here they were finally starving men at a banquet. It was funny. And it was a story that was told every time we had family reunion picnics where there was, of course, lots and lots of food. But the reality is we live in a world that cannot get enough, don't we? We live in a world that is ravenous, that is consumptive, and ironically is being consumed by its consumption. We used to call it tuberculosis consumption. It's a disease. I think we have to ask ourselves as we look at this room, the dining room, what is the junk of the world that we too easily ingest? John has said, do not love the things of this world, the pride of life, the, the desires of the flesh, the, the pride in riches. Don't. Those are the, that's the junk food. It will kill you. Well, we need to ask ourselves, okay, then what do we really need? What really will fill us up? And the answer will come. Here's the sermon in, its, in a nutshell. The answer will come only as we let Jesus be the one who sets the table and proclaims what the menu will be and who defines what our needs are and then reaches into our lives and becomes the one who meets every single need of body and soul and spirit. So let's look around. Let's look around at our world. Let's get real difficult. Let's uh, do some personal inventory. What is it we fill ourselves up with? I, I think the reality is it's not just calories. This would be so easy if it was just about food. Well, maybe it wouldn't be easy, but you know what I mean. In my heart, Christ's home, we hear a paraphrase of Jesus' words to our hungry wor world. And in my heart, Christ's home. Have you all read that? You, I hope you all are picking that up and reading it. Read it a week ahead. In it, Jesus says, parenthetically, if you want food that really satisfies you, do the will of your heavenly Father. If you want to really be satisfied, 
do the will of your heavenly Father. Well, you know, that will only happen if we know what that will is. He says, put his pleasure before your own. Stop striving for your own desires, your own ambitions, your own satisfactions. Seek to please him. That food will really satisfy you. I, I read in Charles Spurgeon this week something that Alistair Begg, one of the great preachers in America today that we were with a couple weeks ago, wrote. He said, and this was in the 1850s, he wrote, the person who believes in Jesus finds enough in his Lord to satisfy him now and to content him forevermore. But we don't live in a world that is seeking to believe that Jesus is the sole satisfaction. Spurgeon writes, is this the feeling of your heart now, believer? Do you feel that all your desires are satisfied in Jesus and that you have no need now to expect to accept to know more of him and to have a closer fellowship with him? Then come continually to the fountain and take the water of life freely. Jesus will never think you take too much, but will always welcome you saying, drink, yes, drink abundantly, loved one. We live in a world that doesn't know what it means to seek and want to know the satisfaction that Jesus alone can provide. So we live in a world that's doing exactly what my dad and grandfather and uncles were doing, and that is to try and gorge itself as, as if one could consume enough to forever be filled. The reality is Jesus did not come to starve us. Just the opposite is true. We've just read in John 10.10, he tells us that he came to give us life. How? Abundantly. Abundantly. Wow. But John tells us that there will be no room for this abundance if we are filling up the things of the world. Do you know why? Because they're not from the Father. They're not from the Father. Our Father knows what we need. And he wants to fill us up. We realize that, and there is a voice that speaks within us subtly. There's a voice within us that speaks from the devil, from the power of evil that says, you'll starve if you live like that. There is a power out there. The devil is saying, you can't live on God alone. You cannot survive on that and it is the voice of that thief that Jesus describes whose solitary goal it is to steal our lives and to imprison us forever we need to be diet, dieting on the things of God's word C.S. Lewis describes this so well in his letter to screw tape you know the screw tape letters you need to know them we need to, to devour them. Young people need to read the screw tape letters. Old people need to read the screw tape letters. It's about how the devil tries to tempt us. And in that, Lewis says, the enemy, speaking through the devil, the, the devil describes God as the enemy. He says he has guarded the world from you, demon, through the great wave of temptations. 
And he says, prosperity knits a person to this world. This is really interesting. Prosperity knits a person to this world. We start to think, oh, steak and potatoes and money and power and lust, all those things. We, we don't know it. It's subtle. Prosperity knits a person to this world. He feels that he is finding his place in it. I found my place in the world. I've arrived. I'm getting what I need, what I have to have. Prosperity says you're getting more, get more. Go back to that, that buffet line again. Have some more. Fill up. And he starts to say, ah, oh, I'm starting to feel satisfied. I'm finding my place in the world. Lewis says, well, really, the world is finding its place in us. See, that's it. The world is finding its place in us, and it's causing us to, to think, oh, I just need more of the world. I just need more of those things. Jesus is that good shepherd who assures us that we will not starve when we are living not in the world or for the things of this world, but in him and discovering what it really means to know him and love him and want him and desire him in everything that we are about. So, what does that look like? What does it mean to be nourished by Jesus? It begins with leaving room for Jesus to fill us up with himself. None of you probably ever had this happen to you, but when I was a kid, my mom would say, don't eat those brownies before dinner. <laughs> You'll fill yourself up with them and you won't leave room for what you really need. We can do the same thing. We can leave no room to be filled up with Jesus. This is what is missing in our world. They're gorged on things that are just clogging their arteries and killing their hearts. We need far less of this world than we think. And that's why John writes, don't love the things of this world. At, at GraceWorks, uh, Kyle, where are you? There you go. I don't know if you've experienced this. Some of you have. You've worked on this. At, at GraceWorks every year, we package up a meal that will fill and sustain an entire family if we are willing to eat it every day. And they're in little packages about the size of Top Ramen. And that package will feed a family for a day when it, hot water is added to it. Now, I know many of us who have who've worked on this project, and I filled those packages, have said, I'm sure glad I don't have to live on this every day. And we say this because we've become accustomed to a variety of things, in many cases, that just aren't any good for us. And this package, yum. It looks like ground-up tree bark. It might be. It looks yucky. Do you know that technical word? That's a biblical word from the, old, the original Greek. It, we don't want to live on that. But here's what I, I wondered. If we're letting Jesus Christ come into the dining room of our lives, what if we did? What if we lived on that package, I mean quite literally, for a month? Now, I, I've, I've thought about this. I've thought about it. When we're packaging that food up, I've thought, I'm going to take one of those. I'm going to take it home and prepare it 
and eat it. And, and then I'm going to find out where I can get some more of it. And I'm going to actually try living on it for a month. I've been thinking about that for about five years now. <laughs> I have obviously not wanted to do it too badly. But do you know why I think this would be so valuable? Seriously. You know why I think this would be really valuable? Perhaps first it would get me in touch with a part of the world that would love to just have that every day, the dependability of that every day. It would also get me in touch with Jesus who said, I have food that is not of this world. Because you look at this stuff and you go, this is not from... <laughs> Jesus says, I've, I'm going to feed you. And you need to trust in me and stop going to your, wherever you're going. And secondly, it would show me how much of this world I don't need and what I don't need, what I need not to have in my life. If I were dining on just what that package is, it would be like taking out this diet book. Do you all have this diet book, this cookbook? Have you seen this one? It's called The Bible. And it would prompt me to realize, wait a minute, that which I'm about to partake of is not from here. See, it's, it's, that's what John says. Don't eat the things that are not of the Father. They'll kill you. You'll die from them. See, perhaps that's the biggest part of discovering what it means to know Jesus and to be nourished by Jesus. Learning what doesn't belong in our lives. Who wants to know that? <laughs> Who wants to know what doesn't belong in their life? Yeah, we, we know what it is. Who wants to make that a priority every day and saying, that's not going in me. I'm not doing that. See, we've become so accustomed to not having to even think about this. What do you want to eat? You know, I saw something recently. It said, marriage consists of, Travis and Jennifer, you'll love this. Marriage consists of two people spending 50 years looking at one another going, I don't know, what do you want to eat? <laughs> <laughs> Newlyweds. Yep, you're not there yet. <laughs> we aren't there. We can have whatever we want, and so we do. We partake of it. We just put into our lives what we think we have to have or what we desire, and we just keep going. But what if we stopped? What if we stopped, I mean really stopped, and went on a fast from living like we do? Not just from food, but stuff, attitudes, consumption. What if we were willing to examine what is on our plate, so to speak, you know, we say, I've got way too much on my plate right now. What if we were to do that, and be before we lifted that to our mouths, before we started to do whatever it is that we do on a regular basis, what if we said, why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I partaking of this? Why, why am I holding a grudge? Why am I staying angry? Why am I lusting for whatever it is? body, mind, soul, spirit? What if we ask ourselves, would Jesus say, oh, great, that's just what I want you to partake of. I'll have some of that too. Would Jesus go, oh, good, worry. I'll have some worry. 
How, 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 how would, would Jesus go, oh, I'm glad, oh, grudges. I love grudges. That's good. How, how about being mean-spirited? How about being worried? Oh, yeah, let's have some more of that. What if I stopped and simply said, is this how you want me to live? You see, because the things I just described and what John has described, they're not there. That's not part of the abundance. You see, what Jesus wants for us is a, is a diet of him. And he wants a diet that he would live on if he's going to live in the house of our lives. Jesus says, I'm not going to live on this slop. You can, but you're not. It'll kill you. What we need to ask ourselves is, do I want Jesus living in my dining room? Do I want him being the chef in my life? We could say, well, yeah, he could come by for a visit every once in a while. He could go by for a snack. But I'm not ready to have him here all the time in every way. I don't want him being the one who determines breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, what I, you know. The, see, the reality is, my friends, that until we are ready for this, we will not have peace. And our world will not have the answer from the horrors that rain down upon us because we're not going to fix it on our own. The things that will heal us and will make us whole are the things that Jesus Christ brings. I see, until he is Lord of our lives and our hearts, and our hearts break for what breaks his heart, we will be eating at the pig trough or worse and wondering why we're never satisfied. But, but, there's Jesus. When we let Jesus set the menu, something amazing happens. Not only do we find ourselves healthier and happier and more satisfied, but the world around us starts to become hungry for what we are being nourished by because they're saying, hey, you look great. And you're smiling and you're satisfied and your grocery bill is not crazy because you've got time left over and resources left over because you're desiring what only Jesus wants. How can this happen? I learned this years ago, and I'm still learning it. But a man who mentored me, kind of a Yoda-like presence, his name was Diogenes, Diogenes Allen. Diogenes was the man who walked about town with a lamp holding up his lamp saying, I'm looking for an honest man. And he's holding that light out. And he wrote a little book called Traces of God in a Frequently Hostile World. Is that a good title or what? Traces of God in a Frequently Hostile World. And in it he said, bear with me on this, it's really good. How then can God enter and how can we come to desire him? Where can we find that one desire for God, that desire which would respond to his love? That one desire that can master all our other desires for the things of this world that we would indeed seek first his kingdom and leave everything else subordinate to it. How can that happen? He says, it's not a desire we have. We have a desire for pizza and ice cream all the time or whatever. We as creatures consist of nothing but desires which bind us to this earth. See, the earth is in us, not us in the, the earth. Thinking as we do that we can determine our own happiness. We think we can make ourselves happy. 
with stuff from the world by accomplishing more, gaining more. It is for this reason that love for God, this is really the, the central piece in this. It is for this reason that love for God begins not with a desire for God and not with seeking God, but by withholding ourselves from all other things. Doubt, fear, anxiety, lust, gluttony, passion. It begins with our refusal to, buy, to, to tie our love to anything of this world, our decision to hold back, to consciously say, no, I will not partake of that, to renounce because we realize there is nothing in this world that can satisfy us. Do you know that? Does our world know that? There are those out there who are saying, well, if this just happened, everything would be fine. I'd be good. It's not true. Diogenes Allen goes on to say, this is a realization that hurts. It hurts to realize that we aren't in control and that the things of this world will not satisfy us. It hurts, he says, because we come to realize that at our core, there is an emptiness, a void, a hollow, which nothing can fill. Do you know that? Do you know that there is an emptiness in you that nothing in this world is ever going to satisfy? Do you know that? We need to know that. That's where the beginning of knowing how satisfying God is. He defines satisfaction. Try as we may, Alan says, all we can do is to keep it temporarily from our attention and hold this realization in check for a while. You know how we do that? We, we take some more of this world in. We get some more of the world. Oh, I feel good now. I'm good. All right. But it go, you know what? It comes back. It comes back. Because nothing in this world can fill this void. This is a whole which is part of our very substance. And whatever we put in ourselves drains away and on and on and on. We crave. Alan's got it because Jesus has got it. Jesus says, until you want me and only me, nothing's going to satisfy you. So let me conclude with this. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, came into the dining room of this world to make it possible for us to let go of anything that keeps us from letting his love be our satisfaction. He came so that our hunger would be for feeding people around the world the desire and the diet of his grace and mercy that comes through a literal meal and hearts on fire that others would know him. So let me ask this. Who is setting your table? Who is setting your table? Who is writing your grocery list? Who is shopping with you? What is on your menu? What needs to be removed from your diet so that there can be room for only who Jesus is? Have you noticed how meddlesome God is? The things of this world will never satisfy. John says they're going away. All that stuff, it's going to be gone. This life is going to be gone. We live in a world that needs to know this and there is only one who is the hope of this and that's Jesus who has come to take full possession of all that we are 
And only his menu of grace can heal what happened in Las Vegas. Only his menu of grace can reach into husbands and wives and parents and children and Republicans and Democrats and a world that thinks there is something they can control. Only he can make things right. Only his grace and his clearing away of the world's plans and schemes can make anyone whole. And he wants to do that for you and me right now. He wants to do that every single day. And when there is that gnawing midnight snack longing that wants the cold pizza in the refrigerator, he wants to be the one who says, I've got you. The good news is that Jesus came to be very practically the one who satisfies us. He is here right now. He is here in this place now in the power of his Holy Spirit offering to do this to us and through us. He is here to work in us every day when the desires of the things for this world try to make us think that there is another way other than his way with our hearts and we can trust him. Jesus is trustworthy. We can praise him. He is praiseworthy. We can welcome him and let him be the one whose walkway we invite a broken and hurting world to know. May we do this today. May we do it tonight. May we do it in the middle of the night. May we do it on Wednesdays and Fridays and every day of the week. And may we hear Jesus say, let me make your heart my home. If you need to know how to experience this, if you need to know how to share it with someone else, if you really want to take that bold step to say, I want the diet of my life to be the one that God sets, ask someone here about it today. And if they can't tell you, come see me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, we want you to be the one and only you because you've come in Jesus Christ to give us yourself to supply all our needs. And we pray that because we are open to this, you would do exceedingly abundant more than we could ask or think. Be glorified as we submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
has something he wants to do through us where we are. May we believe it and go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God the Father, the communion and the fellowship and the equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way. Amen. Precious Jesus, precious Jesus, we're so glad that you've redeemed us, precious Jesus.